Previously on Sony Podcast. I haven't seen Donald Trump from the inside. He was here in Lexington, South Carolina about a week ago, and I decided to go out and check out the event. If, if for no other reason... <laughs> for entertainment purposes. Right. I mean, just a little bit of like, let me see the car crash. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Insanity Podcast. What? We are in the building. Mo, what's been up, man? Maurice, excuse man, me. Man, you know, I'm still excited about the feedback that we're getting from our podcast. It's been great. How do you feel about that, Micah? I feel even better because of what we got going on tonight. What? I do too. Should we tell the people what we got going on tonight? Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Marcus Lattimore, and you're listening to Insanity Podcast. You know it's We're talking the past, present, and future about one thing we can all disagree on. Politics. Right out of South Carolina. This is Insanity Podcast. with your hosts, Michael Caston and Marcus Brown. Special guest tonight. Special co-host. Co-host. Marcus Lattimore. The Marcus Lattimore. How you doing, buddy? First off, please tell me, where did Marcus come from? Because all I, I, for the past five years that I've known, that I've known Mo Brown, I never heard Marcus. It sounds like my name. I've been a fan of the University of South Carolina Gamecocks my entire life. I have... Let me count all the times I heard of Maurikas before we started this podcast. I'll, I'll count them up on one hand. I'll count them up on no hands. You could be a no-handed person and count all the times you that you, we've ever heard of Maurikas. Maurikas. I like it, though. It is good. I do. It is. Wait one freaking minute. <laughs> Y'all realize I got a mother, right? Right. And she only calls me Maurikas. No, it's a good name. I, I, I'm no, not I'm saying just that. Saying, I'm just, I mean, it's been your I'm, whole life. I, she Why'd threatened you, you one time already. I know. And Marcus, you about to get on that hit list too, talking about my name. So you better, you better be proceed. I'm with just saying, why have you? No, don't put comment. this on me. Don't put this on me. Why don't you stop being so? It's on you. Why have you not embraced Morikas until you were in your 28th year birthday? Now, month? hold on. What was his reason? What was his reason of why it became Morikas? Because I think I was listening to a podcast in the past and. Yeah. He had something to say, but I, I I like Mo. I do too. Me personally. Mo's got good flow. Well, I have y'all know that Mo does have good flow. And I'm not worried about all that. Why it changed is that, you know, my name is Maurikas. That's my name. It was given to me That's by my, my name. mother. Don't wear it out. And, you know, at some point you got to grow up. I, I feel like I done grew up out of Mo. I explained this already, Marcus. Did you not listen to the podcast? You know I love you, Mo. It's all yeah. good. It's all good. <laughs> I'm just playing, man. Anyway, uh, Marcus, thanks for joining us tonight. It's an honor to have you here. Uh, as a fan of, of South Carolina and a fan of yours, uh, it's been a pleasure to meet you. Which, by the way, I met you in the yard. I was a little late getting here because of work. And, and I see uh, your truck in the yard. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm meeting Mark, Marcus Lattimore. Um, I need to pull it together. Is that what you said? I, I did, but all internally, all internally. The, the inner monologue in my head was scary. So I, I see you in the yard, and I'm like, all right, keep it together. There's Marcus Lattimore. Um, be cool. And then, like, I realize I don't know how to say hello. Like, I'm like, the hand greeting part. Like, I'm like, right, you, you right. look smooth. I'm, I'm all suited up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tyler's over here doing the dap maneuver. Do, do I dap? Do I handshake? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. See, that, yeah. Here's the thing. Listening to you on the podcast for the past three, I already had a what do you call it? Stereotype. I already I, I, I knew. Had I already idea. had an ideal of what kind of guy you were, <laughs> and I knew going into it that I would feel comfortable around this dude. So I'm gonna dap him up. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna do what me and Mo do. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I feel I feel like this is some type of uh, racial 
um, conversation that we have and that you kind of avoid. Uh-oh. Are you asking because he was a black guy or is it because of Marcus Lattimore? Do you want to feel like you was down? You didn't want to feel like you were not being professional or do you attack him professionally? What, 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 where were we going here, Michael? If this was a scantron, I'd fill in D, all of the above. <laughs> like, I know, right? Because when I meet other white dudes, I'm not like, hey, bro, let, let's dap it up or let's, you know, figure out do we... Like, do the go around the thumb, or you know, how do you? I don't know how to describe it because people can't see us right now. I I will say that going into that, there's a lot of factors that play into how you meet someone. The gesture that you use, agree. It depends on the setting. It's just a lot of number one on my list is do you have your shirt tucked in? Like, I feel like when I meet people who have their shirt tucked in, I'm like, dude, all right, man, that's a handshake. it, if you had, even if you had a, you know, previous relationship with the person, you still yeah. feel that way? No, no, no. Like when Mo got here tonight, Mo's came from work, and you know, we did the like half bro hug thing. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. it just depends on who it is, the relationship, where you are. It, it that that's it's called. I, it's I, I, I agree. I agree it, with Marcus. A, it's definitely it, you got to take in all the factors. It's not just one thing. I mean, I think you see him, Marcus, on the football field, and you meet him. You're definitely going to shake his hand because that's more of a formal setting. He's at work. Um, shake his hand, but you know he's kind of walking Wait, up to me. I, I wouldn't shake a guy's hand when he had his jersey and stuff on. What I would. You I shake. Mean, you shake people's hands with your jersey and shoulder pad on. Absolutely. If you was on the sideline and you came up to me. And I didn't know you. It's like, hey, I'm Micah Caskey. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. I'm Mo Brown. I would shake you your hand Peyton at that Manning point. Thought saying what's up to Cam Newton the other night. Did they do handshakes or did they do like? I wouldn't watch. I was so mad anyway. I didn't even see that. Yeah. But I mean, I, I just, saw Cam's teeth, man. That, that dude smiles like he smiles <laughs> yeah. like Mo. Got his teeth as ah. <laughs> Hey, chill out, man. You know, <laughs> good. Hey, you know, it. just chill out. You know, Cam, he's been under the gun. Yeah, and, you know, right. we got, need you know, us being black people got to have his back. So yeah. you might want to calm down over oh, there, but I'm, I'm on team Cam. For sure. <laughs> now, Cam, Peyton, big age difference. Right. Okay. Those guys are the best of the best. Yeah. In the NFL. For sure. When that game ended and Cam went into that press conference. I'm, I'm going in. Yeah, I'm about yeah. to go in. Let's, Let's do it. it. Let's do because it. I like Cam. I do. Yeah. I've always been a fan of Cam. Yeah. I've always been a fan of Peyton Manning. Let me pause you right there. Okay. Because I want to I add in on that. Cam has helped me transform my view of uh, what a what a black man can be as a quarterback. Right. Because I've all, I right. grew up with, you know, act like you've been there before. Yeah. Don't showboat. The dancing was just not a thing. But what I've come to find as a Panthers fan and watching Cam, and, and, and as much as you can watching a guy play football, get to know him, is I see how uh, excited he is, the smile, the joy that it right. is. So I'm like, that's him being him. That's him being him. And now I've learned to grow, to accept is, that in a way I hadn't before. Micah, and I appreciate that. Ben. Micah, is that What's not that? the point Cam is trying to make? Agree. Anyway, I cut Marcus off. I know you did. And you stopped doing that. <laughs> no, I listened to him. <laughs> yeah, all right. No, yeah. no, no. I, I was just going to say that Peyton would have handled that situation totally different. Right. That comes with maturity. That comes with being in the playoffs. That comes with experience, knowing how to handle those situations. And with that being said, Cam will grow from this. He'll learn from all of this, and he'll be better because he'll be back at the Super Bowl. Oh, I, 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 I do. I think he will. Marcus, um, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you right there. I don't know if I agree that Cam didn't fully understand how people would take him and his demeanor going into there. I, Cam is a smart guy. This is not like it's the first time that Cam has done this after he lost. If you watch the guy, he, he responds that way essentially every time they lose the game. So I remember my first response when I seen him, I'm kind of like you. I was like, man, I hope that he goes in there with fully suited up and his hell hell his head held high. But I had no expectations for him to really do that. And the fact that I had to thank that is I think indicative of how he normally handles this way of losing. 
So you don't think next time he's at the Super Bowl and say they lose, he's not going to handle that situation differently? At the end of the day, what are we talking about handled differently? Does he does he say the message differently? Does he deliver it differently? Um, I don't think he's going to change his emotional connection to losing. I, do you think? Do you think the? I guess, I guess I'm I'm betraying my thoughts on this. By the way, I'm going to frame the question, but the sore loser. I'm a sore. You show me a sore loser. I'll show you a loser. Is a cop out. Well. If you don't get mad about losing and you're at that level, some something's wrong. Absolutely. And I guess I look at the situation as be a pro. Be a professional. Go Just like you said, go in there with a suit. Go in there and take it like a man because at the end of the day, that's part of your job. Right. And you see. Right. You're getting paid I to mean, do that. Marshawn Lynch got fined $100,000 because he didn't do those interviews. Right. That's part of your job. You have to be able to withstand that. Well, I hear you, Marcus. I do. But, again, I, I can't help but go to the fact that Bill Belichick, he comes into a interview and he gives you short answers. He He's he's in his uh, pullover hoodie and he gives you very short, brief answers. And then he moves on about his business. It's not like Cam didn't show up. He was there and he gave you answers. He just didn't deliver it the way people wanted him to deliver it. Bill Belichick got four rings. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. Bill Belichick has four rings. He can do whatever he wants. But but again, but again, and Cam saying, "I'm being me." Bill Ch- Belichick is being him. This is not. No, this is nothing new that I'm doing here. If you don't watch me lose a game, I have stated that I'm a sore loser. I hate losing. This is how I internalize it. Get once I come down, have time to reflect on it. But in that moment, I invest so much into it. When I fail. I'm disappointed in myself. I'm disappointed in my team. And I can't help but show those emotions. Micah, how do you see as if he he could he should have handled that situation? Between the, the two views you guys have talked about, I, I'm more uh I gotta take the view a view more similar to you, Marcus. Like you you've gotta come in and, and you gotta wither the fire because it ain't over. The fact is, you're now a professional. This is your job. This is your livelihood. It's providing your family. And not to mention, not only you're a quarterback, which is intrinsically a role that is about leadership. You're a team captain. You wear that little C with four of the five stars colored in. I, don't, I still really don't understand what that's all about. But you... <laughs> I'll explain that to you. You want me to explain that to you real no, quick? No, in a second. Let me, okay. let me finish. Stop interrupting me and being rude. I asked the question. So Because Mo was a team captain. Oh, was it? He knows. He's in the middle of that one on the hype video. Hey, I didn't say it. Marcus did. (laughs) (laughs) So when when you are in that role, you're in that position, you've just been crowned the NFL's MVP. You're the face of the league. You represent a new generation. You represent more than just yourself. Uh, You have a responsibility to come in and handle it like a pro. I get the emotion as much as one can. I mean, I've never competed at that level, but I understand disappointment. I know what it feels like to lose and how much I hate it. And I think you got to handle it differently. Let, let, let me, let me state this. Don't get me wrong. I agree that he should have been more professional about it, but I'm just being playing devil's advocate and speaking from Cam perspective and essentially what he has told everyone that he's going to do it Cam way. And I'm going to be unapologetic about it. Um, excuse me, unapologetic about the way I approach this. It's just me. I wear my emotions on the seat, my sleeves when I'm high, I'm high when I'm low, I'm low. And then that's how it goes. So, okay. So, so do you think that it's so all these, all these kids, high school, college, they out there dabbing, they out there doing the first down thing now. So it's okay for them when they lose the state championship, when they when they lose the national championship, it's okay for them because they looking at him. Everybody's looking at him. It's okay for them to do that as well. At the end of the day, we're emotional people. 
we're so politically correct. We want everyone to um, be buttoned up and do it the way exactly that we tell them. Like he said, who's who are you to say what I'm doing is wrong? If Cam Newton acted this way and he went into a hole and didn't do anything, go back to work, he pouted his way, but he goes through his emotional little outbursts and then he go to work. He works harder. I I hear y'all criticizing me. That just drives me. And I'm going to come back a better player. And his pe- and, and his teammates, they see that. He don't make excuses. He's just saying, I'm pissed off. And, and he's get, showing those emotions. I get it. And I think that uh, to the extent that you grow up to be a professional entertainer, whether you, you're in song or dance or sport, you can do that, but I do worry about what that message is to kids who grow up and be something else because you can't grow up and be a police officer or a fireman or an EMT or a soldier or a Marine who's in a situation where I'm now emotional. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to do me. Part of being a professional is being able to pull it together and, and no matter what you're feeling, do your job. And do with job. that being said, I love Cam Newton. <laughs> I do too. I He's do. my quarterback. I love, I He's love, my guy. I love Cam Newton. I do too. You man. remember that, Terrell Owens? He's my quarterback. My quarterback. <laughs> He's my teammate. <laughs> you guys that, man. Uh, okay, before anyway. we, before we leave this subject, I, I do want to ask. All of our liberal, wait, all right. I do want to ask you this, Michael. Yes, sir. Why does Cam Newton make certain white people so angry? Like, why, why is he getting letters written, for, wrote by moms and wherever, Michigan, talking about how he's not a role model? But yet you have Aaron Rodgers discount double checking everywhere and ain't nobody wrote him an open letter. Well, I mean, why is that? Now I got to be all white people? <laughs> <laughs> Every last one of them, Michael. Every last one of them. The white race rests on your shoulders we, in this uh, answer. If we found, if if we, if that lady who's listening, I don't know her name. I didn't read the, I read part of the letter. Um, dear lady, if you were listening right now, shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. He's dancing. It's a game. Whatever. I don't. No, I don't. I don't care. But no, um, I do. I actually do feel that way. <laughs> like I, I like it because I was saying a minute ago, he has increased my empathy for an approach. Uh, I guess in some way it's a cultural um, approach, and I, I'm not. I don't mean all black. I just mean people who act like Cam is distinct from other. I don't. I mean, I guess other. I don't know a lot of white people who do that. And I guess it's just scary. It's different. Whatever. It reminds me of when Allen Iverson was coming out. And I think, what, that was 96. Practice? Yeah, exactly. We're talking about practice. practice? And he came out there. He had tattoos. Yeah. He had braids. Right. He was from the streets. Everybody gravitated towards that. This whole Cam Nation movement. It reminds me of that. Yeah. And there's a lot of positives that can come out of that. Absolutely. He's inspired so many Stop people from at Atlanta. Uh, just- that's that's a really good point, Marcus. And I, I, I didn't think about it that way, but I, I guess you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, Allen Iverson, he had the sleeves. Everybody was wearing sleeves. He had the little finger shooters, whatever you call them. I don't even know what you call those things. Little finger sleeves mm-hmm. and everything. He he really did um, polarize um, a lot of people, and he changed a whole generation of people how they play the game. That is an excellent point, and Cam Newton is having that same type of effect. I agree. Well, let me ask you this, Marcus. When you had uh, your braids, yep. the cornrows, Yes, I'm so glad you gave them up, though, Marcus, in yeah, all look, in full. Dis- uh, but I'm so glad you I, gave the braids enough. up. Enough, enough. But I'll say this: you know, in some ways, when I when I saw uh, is cornrows looking at me like because I, I don't know cornrows, braids, whatever you want to call. All right, like I would see that and think. You know, if I didn't know you or I didn't know about your personality, your character, and again, I only knew at the time, the second hand, you represented physically something that was different than what I was used to. Right. And different than what my life in white 
edge of suburban rural. Like I kind of grew up on the edge of rural. Like I go right from my driveway. <laughs> I'm in the country. <laughs> I go left. I'm not. So to see somebody like that for me was, um, it, it, it made, it made a lot of things make sense that man, maybe they're not all like that. Right. They being black men who were in their they. late teens, early twenties. They, huh? Yeah. They, that's what you people, See, see, Micah. Marcus we, we, is laughing we, right now. I want everybody we to We went a whole episode, yeah. one full episode, right. without me threatening to jump over this table and whoop your ass. I see we're back on track now because I'm about to walk, jump over this table and get on your ass if you say day one more time. No, but uh, let, let me ask you this. What is the third person plural that somehow See, see this is this why he's smart, Marcus. He's so smart. He gonna go all grammatical, pro- appropriate. No, I was kidding. I'm just you saying, know I love you, Micah. It's okay when, for when you I to call you, us today. Yeah, because I don't see white people with braids. Like, I don't know any of those, because uh, when I think of white people with braids, I think like uh, stoner guys who, uh, <laughs> you know, like, you know The dread. Is that right? So I'm saying there is absolutely a reaction that I that I have had growing up with people, right. black guys with braids. I, it's different than white people. It, I mean, because it sends a lot of different messages. I mean, black guys, a lot of black guys in prison, they have braids. A lot of black guys from the projects, they have braids, and that's associated with something negative. Sure, because I don't know what I didn't know enough of them. Right. You know, I and and I don't. By the way, all to all my black friends growing up, you di- you didn't let me down. Like I, I love you, and and we learned. I learned a lot from you. But I didn't. It was my friends have overwhelmingly been. Micah, been white. you're coming very close to not having any black friends at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, golly, oh. you gonna have me have to fight for you? No, he's really cool. He doesn't mean it. He really doesn't mean it. He's not racist. Listen, we're we're trying. No, we're not. I don't think no, we should end no, that. Leave that in there. I, I want to. I. I do think it's important to talk openly and honestly about things. And at least if we can't do it yet in society at large, right. I want the insanity podcast to be a place where we talk about things because I'm not racist in the sense that I immediately put people in a box and keep them there. But I can't pretend like I had, I grew up in a world where everything was perfect. Yeah. And, and like I said, at one point in another discussion we had oftentimes we have reactions to things that are emotional and visceral and, and they don't always last. Like I have that moment where I'm like, ah, you know, and I don't have, I don't have many of them at all anymore, but I think people as people have human reactions and that's based on their experiences. And if you haven't been exposed to a lot of people with braids, you might have a reaction that is, that isn't positive. And so it takes people like Marcus, like Cam Newton, who can show that things that are different are okay. And that just because you're black or just because you have cornrows or just because you dance, you're not bad. You're not a criminal. Micah, that that was awesome. First well, off, that was that Tyler was, wants to edit it out. That was very well said, and I completely agree. And one thing that you that you said that stuck out to me was that we are all susceptible to emotional reactions, including Cam Newton, including yeah. Peyton Manning, yeah. including Marcus Lattimore, including, including Tyler Matthews. That's it, it's human responses. And until you go through those human responses and learn how to manage those emotions, we all going to f- fail in that, in, that, in that arena. So the fact that you are willing to say that, and point it out. And hopefully in this podcast that we can continue to show that it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to lose your cool for a second. It's okay to have a racist thought. That 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 moment in time don't um make who you are. If you allow that moment in time to define you, then you become that. But one moment in time don't define you. One moment in time um doesn't define Cam Newton. You know, one moment in time doesn't define me. It's those entirety of your actions, what that majority is, who makes you 
who you are. I completely agree with that. Hundred percent. In any event, uh yeah, so we, we got heavy first in the first couple minutes of this show. Hey, welcome. <laughs> I mean, we totally thought that we was going to ask Marcus, like, what has he been up to? Um, yeah, you Marcus, know, what he you got married to? and all this other get, stuff, but we did not go there. Congratulations. Appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, I, mean, I mean, since we're talking about marriage, let's talk about marriage for a second. Because, I mean, Marcus, you know, you're a handsome guy, you know. You you you're about six one. You're about two hundred twenty pounds. Well put together. You got money. Um, you got celebrity. You're twenty four years old. Why in the hell are you married? It's you don't have to really answer that. I want to answer this. This is something I want to answer. It was easy for me. It it really was. The girl that I married, I've known her since I've been 14 years old. This girl has seen me grow in high school, in college, in the pros. Now we're married. She's seen everything that I've been through. Absolutely everything. And when I married her, I made the decision that, okay, this girl is my best friend. This is like my brother. This is like my sister. This is like my my mentor. I mean, yeah, who right. I talk to, who mm-hmm. I go to, my yeah. psychologist, my everything. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And I could not picture life without my best friend. That was the deciding factor for me. I know because there's been a lot. Right. It, it, it's, it's been a lot of girls. Sure. I've met, I've wanted, I'm not going to lie, I've wanted, Yeah. I almost did it, but I'm not about to lose my best friend over something that's temporary. Wow. And I'm from, when when I look at my values, when I look at where I come from, I'm such a simple dude. I don't yeah. need to go out. I don't need to party. I just want to chill. I want to have a good time. I want to hang with my friends. Wait, do you and mean she's Netflix and chill? Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix and Netflix chill. And chill. Hey. Netflix and chill. But yeah, uh, it was easy for me, Mo. It really was. Well, that, that leads into a, a deeper question. Um, you know, I grew up in a single parent household. Um, and quite frankly, you know, I think you look at the black community as a whole, that institution of family is missing. Mm. So the fact that you're 24 years old, you are who you are, and so many people look up to you. I can tell you now, I applaud you. When I when I found out that you was engaged and you was getting married, mm-hmm. I applauded you because I feel that we need more men like you. And, and you, you know what? When I, when I did make that decision, when I did propose to my girlfriend, I knew what kind of message that was sent. I did. I knew exactly what kids would be looking at, how parents would be looking. I'm only 24. But at the same time, just as Mo mentioned, I think it's half of of marriages fail now. I mean, that is insane to me. Right. I refuse to be in that statistic. And I will set a great example for the generations to come, for the younger kids to look at me, because I know that's important. That's why I am in the position I'm in today, because I had a great support system. Simple as that. I had my mom. I had my stepdad. I had my dad. I had every single person around me supporting me, promoting me, doing everything for me. And... I mean, it just makes a big difference in your life. I, I think that's that's so well said. Um, you know, I, I was reading recently a, a book um, that that talked about happiness and and what what are the factors in happiness. And ultimately, this book outlined that number one on the list was faith. 
two on the list was family. Right. Uh, three was a sense of community, and four was was earned success. You know, the, the if you have those four things in your life, you have a faith in whatever you believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think most people who do have faith put that at the top of the list. Yeah, and then sure. you have that family, and you're building that. And that's, um, I guess, what what drew that to mind is, is listening to you talk about that, how important it is. And I think that if most people, uh, or more people, I should say, embrace that, that society at large would be a better place. And life is so short. So short. You know, life is precious. Life is short. And we only get one shot at it. What is going on with Marcus right now? I mean, what what are you doing? Um, you know, what 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 um, plans that you have in play right now? What's what's on Marcus Lattimore agenda? As you know, I mean, life past three or four years has been been full of uh, a roller coaster. Been full of obstacles. A lot of different things happened. And uh, I retired from the NFL. And I knew the day I retired, I wanted for the rest of my life, I was going to do things that I enjoy. I mean, simple as that. And I started my foundation. That's going well. I got back in school. I'm actually finishing my degree right now. I graduate in a couple months. uh, Public health. Public health. Public health. So um, I switched to that my sophomore year. Just a different feel. Sure. Wanted to see different things. And um, working with the team now. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's it like on uh, Coach uh, Coach Muschamp's staff? Yeah, Coach Muschamp. Um, he knows what he wants. You're right. I can tell you that. Uh, he is everything is advertised. Passionate. Fiery. Has a specific plan everything that we do. And that's what you want in a coach. Um, He's hired a great staff, a bunch of great recruiters. I'm working in more of the player development side with with, uh, Andre Goodman, who played here. What does that mean, player development? Player development. It's I'm the guy's personal assistant. Okay. I think that's a good way to put it. Helping guys understand what's going on. Exactly. Helping them get shit. Whatever they need. So I help the guys. I'm I'm there for them whenever they need me. You were talking so. just a second ago about some of the, like your foundation and things. And and before we sat down uh, to do the podcast, just to see what be going on in your life, I, I looked at the true uh, the true lens of anybody, the Twitter machine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was looking at your Twitter feed, and man, I can't lie. I've never been more impressed with any like the things that you were tweeting about. The Dreams Foundation, the Chase After a Cure, which is a, right. a fundraiser. Well, I guess it raises awareness yeah. for for childhood cancer. It's a great event. Special events, uh, the Polar Blood Plunge. Uh, you, you did a, a thing with the uh, the South Carolina Bar, the the law community, and and then of course all. Were the you stuff there? You, no. Oh, okay. I had to work. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I, 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 are you thinking about the law? You want to come? You want to come be a lawyer? No, not a lawyer. No. Why not? Definitely not. That means I got a lie. Oh, whoa. Shot fired. Or you could just be a prosecutor when you always pursue the truth. You don't have to be a defense lawyer. Sure, I'm just playing, man. Boom, boom, boom. That, that's why you're a good lawyer, Micah. No, nah, man, I do smartest lawyer I know. And, and I, I, I do value being a, a prosecutor where, you know, I get to wear the white hat. Yes. I don't ever... I don't ever go forward on a case unless I know, right? You know that, and that's a cool feeling, right? But anyway, but also all your work with uh, in the wake of the historic flooding that South Carolina experienced Man. in October uh, this year, the stuff you were doing down in the Low Country, Williamsburg, and Georgetown. Um, what what am I missing? What else are you up to? I enjoy it. I enjoy doing all that stuff, man. I do. I mean, I love the people of South Carolina. I love the people here. And I've learned so much about this state and so much about myself. Mm-hmm. And I've decided um, coming up very soon, I'm opening the Marcus Lattimore Sportsplex in Greenville, South Carolina. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Is this is this the first announcement of the Marcus Lattimore Sportsplex? 
Mo, it actually is. Um, we just got breaking <laughs> breaking news for Marcus Lattimore. We are on our way. The Marcus Lattimore Sports Flex will open for business. Um, we haven't set the tentative date is April first, uh-huh. and it's a training facility. I'll be able to help the people of South Carolina, and uh, I couldn't think of a a better way to do it rather than through fitness and training, absolutely, and helping people because I've learned so much about my body. Um, I've learned to take care of my body, and these people here mean a lot to me. So, absolutely, yeah. Spe- God, man. No, I, I think that's great stuff. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things that we do learn as athletes is that discipline. Um, you know, right now, if I eat something that's out of the way, like my body reacts to it. It, right. does, it just reacts badly and it sits with me because we learn how to eat. We learn how to train. We make sure we keep our muscles and everything and our mind sharp. So to be able to have that in the upstate and then to just have that presence and what you represent and being that positive influence in that community, man, that is Great stuff. And if we can do anything, if I can do anything, if Micah Tyler can do anything to help with that process, please let me know because that, that is that is impressive. Don't tell me twice. <laughs> I have y'all up there every week. You know, I could use some training. <laughs> a long way from that, you know, uh I you know, person I ran a eighteen thirteen five K uh about ten years ago. Nice. Which is your age. Nice. Yeah, anyway. Well, you, you you made a point and you said something about retirement. Um, I know how it felt for me when I got to the gate. I got to the gate. I saw I saw the per the, the pearly gates and I saw the golden roads and I saw the mansions and I saw all that good stuff. But I ain't get into the gate. You got into the gate, and then when you got into the gate, you wasn't able to experience the full essence of what being in the gates is by actually playing the game. Um, I know it was difficult difficult for me not to achieve my goal to play in the NFL. When you decided that you was going to retire and you never really, you never played a snap, did you feel like you failed? I mean, I mean Mo, you know this. Um, you know, we go our whole life, no matter what sport it is. We start when we're seven, eight years old and the blueprint is kind of laid out for you. Mm-hmm. It's like a tunnel. Right. You have to work hard. And we're taught if you work hard, if you do the right things, good things are going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not necessarily the case all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we go through life, middle school, high school, college, whatever. And we get to the point where our dream is realized somewhat in some capacity. And when I couldn't touch the field, I knew, I, well, I knew a few days before I retired that this is not going to happen for me. This is absolutely not going to happen for me. And it was close. I was so close. Three yeah. weeks away from playing in an NFL game realizing my dream, and it didn't happen. It hurt. I mean, simple as that. It hurt. Mm -hmm. But when I left, I knew how I'd left everything out there. I There's nothing else I could have done physically. And I really had to come to the conclusion that There's more to life than the game of football. There's more to life than running that ball, being out there in the NFL game, and realizing your dream. And when I left San Francisco, I got on that plane. I said, I'm not looking back. Have I looked back? Sometimes, yes. But it hasn't been a moment where... I hear the horror stories of guys retiring and they're sitting in their room and they're taking popping pain pills and they're doing all these, doing all these different things. And 
that didn't happen for me because I didn't look back. All I did was look forward because I guess the people that I had around me. What I think is so powerful about what you said is when you, when you take that experience and you segue that into so much about so much of what you do in a public context to share that message, to say that you give it your all, you, you fight as hard as you can, you do the best you can, and maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe it doesn't work out. But if you give it your all in whatever it is you do, you're going to be better for it. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, both of us play here at the University of South Carolina. Um, obviously, you are all-time great, but I had a decent career here, too, um, and I felt like I would at least get an opportunity there, um, and, and I didn't. And it was very difficult for me to stomach that, um, to know that you're talented enough and feel like you can play and um, you give it your all, and yet you fell short. You have the weight of your parents, your community, um, your friends, who all expected you play three years, and 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 then you don't make it. It's it's tough. And I feel that you know one of the things that we missed out on when we was coming through school that we didn't have Marcus Lattimore sitting there and saying, "Hey, if football don't work out for you, here's what you can do." Um, that was a, a huge missing piece to our development um, as student athletes not to have that. So when I got into the business world, I spent literally three and a half, four years, probably probably almost four and a half years. And I've only been in the business world a little over five trying to figure out how can I make it? Because I had dreams of being a millionaire sitting in his body, like it's difficult to keep that focus. So to hear you say that I look back and I committed to that decision that I'm going to do what I got to do. And it's more than life, just football. It's difficult for us football players to, to understand that. But I think as we, as we start understanding the different things that we can do with our lives, then the better we become forward. And I'll tell you, Every time, Mo, you, you you exactly right. Every time I go tell my story, I heal. I mean, that wound just covers up so every good, yeah. single time I get to say something in front of a crowd. And that's why it happened. That's our purpose. <laughs> that's our purpose here. That's right. why we're here, Mo. And, and I want to just interject here because I think, Mo, you, you, I don't want you to lose sight of the fact that what you do, and, and it's different than Marcus, because, you know, you guys are not the same person. You've had different experiences. But what you've done is show people, hey, for all of you who aren't a Gamecock legend, what you can do is take advantage of your education. You can take advantage of the network. You can take advantage of your ability as a person and go out and start building yourself a career. Because make no mistake, neither of your stories is finished here, right? You've got so much more in front of you. And, Mo, you've you've done so many things, not only for yourself and building your knowledge, experience, depth, network, but also you've done it in a way that's benefited the state of South Carolina. And I commend you both, and I'm, I'm proud to, to know and, and be a good friend of you, Mo, and, and Marcus, I um, and honored to meet you, and I hope you know we can develop a friendship as well. Because I think what you show people by example is that uh, working hard matters. That, as I, I mentioned a second ago, that earned success is a pathway to happiness. <laughs> that faith, family, community, developing your sense community, get out and know your neighbors, but earn success. That that whatever you're doing, you got to work hard, and that reward is what. Uh, will make you feel good inside. And, and I appreciate that both that, of you represent that. that. That's, thank you, first off. that's I, I really do mean that. And just like Marcus, it's something that I think about. Like I told Marcus, when I was coming through school, I didn't have that person I can lean on that had been through it. Um, the former lettering just wasn't there. Um, so when I came in to position of being a letterman, I said, I'm going to remain present. I'm going to keep my voice around these guys because I don't want them to go through what I went through. I want to make sure that I can keep them from not making the same mistakes that 
I did. So I made it a point to come around, made it a point to be on the sideline. I made it a point to come to practice. I made it a point to tell them what I did on the business end to open up that mind um, so that they can see that they can do stuff outside of football. So what keeps me now, what keeps me in this position now, Marika's, Mo, whatever the hell you want to call me, um, what keeps me is knowing that my story now it's more than just a football story that when I go into these communities and I talk to these kids, I can say I use football as a vehicle, but football do not define me. I'm more than that. And um, it's a powerful message, man. And that's why I'm so thankful for Marcus for doing this as well. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, what you represent and the lessons that you're providing to people is invaluable. And, and speaking of one of the questions that we got on the Twitter machine <laughs> was uh, from Bonk underscore RDS. And he, he asked Marcus, you know, how hard was it to come to terms uh, with the injuries that you suffered while playing for the University of South Carolina that, in a very real sense, ultimately cost you a pro career? Right. So there's a debate going on right now. And if I get one more call from another reporter, I'm going to throw my phone in the river <laughs> about Leonard Fournette. Yeah. And if he should sit out his junior year because he's a first round pick. Right. A lot first round pick. If I get another call from them, I'm going to go crazy because they look at my situation uh-huh. and they say, man, if he would have just sat out his junior year, None of this would have happened. I'd still be playing. Right. The game of football is violent. Yeah. People gravitate towards the game of football because of the violence. Sure. We know that going into the game. We know that when we signed up for it. There's nothing that can prevent injuries. Now, my injury, the second one in 2012, it was probably one out of a quarter million people that'll happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I dislocated my right knee and they, I mean, that just doesn't happen. Right. And you tear four ligaments. The, the debate that you should be paid. If you look at it, Jameis Winston, just for example, I love using examples for some reason. <laughs> He's the Heisman quarterback, right? Heisman trophy. And he doesn't have a car. How does that make sense? That just uh, that really just doesn't add up to me. It's just Wait, logical. What do you mean he doesn't have a car? He didn't have a car in college, and he's the Heisman. He didn't have enough money to pr- to purchase a car in college, and he's your Heisman quarterback. He's just made you one hundred and eighty. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, right. He didn't have a car. Now, the debate that. It should be every sport. Uh-huh. I mean, I just don't think that's fair. Right. When football is the engine. Football is the engine that makes it go. That finances so much of the university's athletics exactly. endeavors. Right. I mean, South Carolina itself is one of the more profitable um, universities when it comes to uh, football. I mean, we bring in... Um, I may be misquoting, so I'm going to do a range here. Fifty to eighty million dollars in profit from our football program per mm-hmm. year. Um, just think about all that money that is literally being earned by the people who put on pads and helmets every game. But yet, and still, it was a struggle at times to eat on the weekend. We got fifty bucks. Go do what you can do on the weekend to eat. That's what we got when I was playing at least. Um, and then, too, like you said, getting a car. I had to take out a loan to get a car. And then the car I got, it was it was, it was raggedy. I had my bumper was missing half of it. And um, I ended up paying a lot of additional money just to make sure I can get back at home because the radiator, radiator was either going out or I had to get some new coolant. Whatever it was, it was a struggle. So to generate all that money and yet and still – not be able to get compensated in a fair market way was difficult. I mean, at one point, and I mean, you know this, Marcus, they sold 21 jerseys, number 21 jerseys. My senior year, they were selling number nine jerseys. People was purchasing them 
because they was fans of us. Right. Now, it didn't have Lattimore on the back of the jersey and it didn't have Brown on the back of the jersey, but 21 and number nine identified us, but we never seen one cent of that. And that doesn't, that doesn't happen nowhere else in the business world. So if I hand you, Marikas, then uh, uh, the, the, the pen to draw the line, because I sense from your answers that, that you're in favor of compensation of student-athletes. Where's the line? How do you draw that line? Where do you write that rule, Marikas? And Marcus, I want you to answer too, but Marikas first. Well, I mean, it's not an easy answer at all. It's not an easy answer at all. Um, we are trying to make something fair that shouldn't be fair, as Marcus just stated. You know, we're we're bringing in the dollars, and you should be compensated um, in a way that makes sense. Um, and it's a cop out. I mean, it it really is. We're bringing these kids in here, and they're bringing in revenue after revenue after revenue after revenue, and if they sell their jersey, sell a jersey that's theirs, then they sit out four games. Just, just think about that. They're being punished for selling what is theirs. So the line need to be drawn on the other end, not on our end, because right now we're being hurt by it instead of being compensated for the efforts that we put in. The When you say the line that should be drawn, that's hard to answer mm-hmm. because... I mean, there's other sports. I don't think everybody should be compensated the same, but I do think everybody should receive some type, some type of compensation. Uh, I don't know the best way to do that, but it has to be something uniform. And we know, I mean, that takes time. Yeah. Uh, it, it's going to take another 5, 10, 15 years, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it takes time. I just think it, it, it takes effort. It has to be a want to to put it out there. And quite frankly, the people who's profiting the most out, 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 excuse me, the people who are profiting the most from these players, not in a rush to compensate them because that means that's less money out of their pocket. So um, I just think it has to be a bigger push and we can find out how we can make it happen. And, and it's something that we're going to start doing as players and as parents and et cetera to make it happen. I was watching the show, just real quick, one real quick statement. I was watching the show, Morgan Spurlock, Inside Man. He went to Ole Miss, Mm -hmm. and one of the players made the comment and said, if we went out there Saturday night, both teams, all the players, and we decided we're not going to (laughs) play because we're not being compensated, you think they would do something then? It's a good question. And I was that question. really sparked the interest in my mind. Sure. Is what would happen if that situation came up? But I, I think I that brings a, that. such a great point because it does speak to uh, the power of the purse, the power that student athletes have as uh cogs in the system, as as the the ultimate cog, frankly, because you're the talent that makes it happen, and without that talent, it wouldn't exist. If the NFL today got rid of its three years out of high school rule, if the NFL decided that, hey, you know what, we'd rather live in a world where we said, you can come to us at 18 years old, and maybe you're not physically ready, but we'll put you in a development team, and we'll just let you work out, we'll pay you $300,000 a year, and we'll just keep you there for three years. You can make $900,000. The world would change. But what I what I what I want to go back to, and, and maybe this is a good transition point because here on the Insanity Podcast, we can't close out an episode without talking about current affairs and what's going on in the world and politics. Right. Is that the power of people and the power of individuals in a system and uh, Marcus is someone who has a platform, someone who has a voice and uh, I forget how many Twitter followers you have. I assume they're not all like fake Brazilian. <laughs> it's it's one hundred eighty-seven thousand four hundred twenty-two. I counted this morning. <laughs> so let me ask you: When it comes to current events in politics, like on a scale of Michael Jordan, you know, Republicans buy sneakers to to Seahawks superstar Richard Sherman, who's a Stanford grad and, and not afraid to speak up. Where do you see yourself when it comes to? Uh, that world. I, I'll be completely honest with you. I really didn't start paying attention to it 
until about three years ago. Um, but it's important. I I wish I would have, I guess, caught more interest into it earlier. But sure. now, I pay attention to the debates. I watch everything that's going on because when I got that first check, <laughs> and my signing bonus said this, uh huh, and I didn't get that. Right, I, I was uh, I was a little upset. Sure, right. We like to say shit got real <laughs> for real. <laughs> Oh, well, what's what's on uh, what issues stand out to you? Where are you drawn when you do pay attention? What are the things that, you you know, you say? Because, listen, first of all, let me be the first to tell you, uh, as someone who's so old, (laughs) but uh, every year I feel like I I pay a little bit more attention. Right. And that, you know, and, and every year I look back and go, man, a year ago I was so dumb. I didn't really know anything. Um. And, and my my interest changes uh, and an interest grows, but the focus changes a little bit. What are the things that stick out to you right now and you're interested it's, in? I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard not to look at foreign policy right now. Mm-hmm. I when the, when no when the thing happened in San Bernardino and I mean it, the thing in Paris, right? I got I got scared. Sure, I literally got scared because. I mean, there was a list that came out, and South Carolina was on there somewhere. It's just like, man, I mean, what is going on? Right. So, I mean, right now, it just has to be foreign policy, and who has the best plan for that? Well, that's interesting. I mean, you know, our, out out of all our candidates, particularly the two that's leading right now, I don't think they have hardly any um foreign policies if you exclude Hillary Clinton. And I guess I just made an assumption that Bernie Sanders is now the front runner for the Democrats. What? What? Let's just what? let's just let's, take, let's just, let's let's just all, take this. Let's all take a, take a second. Back. Let's just all take a deep breath and realize that today Today. Today on uh we're recording this Wednesday, February tenth, two thousand sixteen that the leading presidential candidates for the United States of America to free land are Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders, a man like Donald, Donald Trump and then Bernie Sanders. That's what we actually live in. And, and I say that recognizing that millions of people have actually already voted for these people, at least in the, uh, primary process well i'll say this and we talked about this on our last show this is the election of protests and not the election of progress and we're seeing that people are angry they're tired of insiders who keep promising them that if you make the fat cats more fatter then it will trickle down to us and we'll be better off for it and people saying you know what you've been playing that game on us for a while we see it we want someone else who has a different approach, and maybe, possibly, we can have we can have a better life. Oh man, this is—it's heavy, right? Donald Trump. <laughs> okay, I, I just don't—I don't understand. We talked about this earlier. Right. This man has no substance to what he says. None. I don't hear a thing when he talks. Bernie Sanders, very, very, very likable guy. Very likable. Um, especially with our generation. Right. I mean, I think most of his campaign money comes from the ages 18 to... $27. Average campaign contribution, $27. And Bernie, he's very, very relatable. But with... With Wait, that being- I'm, I'm gonna stop you for a second though, Marcus. That is a very interesting point. You said Bernie Sanders, who is 76 years old, white hair, half of it gone, white man in America, you being Marcus, 24-year-old, black man saying Bernie Sanders is very relatable. I think that's that's a message in itself, and I think that's why he sees um he is sitting in the position that he is in. Well, let me, you know, here's what, here's what I say. And to that is 
I think what Bernie Sanders does so well is he articulates an empathy for people and their circumstances. He expresses the frustration that I understand. I hear you. And I want to do something about it. I hear the real frustrations that you have. I hear the real problems in yep. America. And I'm not interested in pretending like we're just going to fix it by continuing business as always. And he says, you know what? Let's uh, let's flip the script. Let's do it differently. Marcus, why is he so relatable to you? Look, let me say this first. With the exception of Bernie Sanders, I've learned that, and this is this is just my opinion, that one man's opinion. Democrats, Republicans, they are both they they're the same. Sure, fair point. They have point. Uh, the Republicans have found a way to make money in the private sector. The Democrats have found a way to make money within the government. It's all about money at the end of the day. It's all about the dollar. Goldman Sachs runs America. Gave Hillary Clinton, I don't know how much money in speaking fees. Uh Wall Street runs America, and it's about who has the most money. Now, why do I think Bernie Sanders is relatable? Mm -hmm. Every time he gets in front of a crowd, he says, Wall Street, it's your turn to bail out Main Street because we already did. Decriminalizing small possessions of marijuana while they're doing cocaine? I think that's fair. I think people around our age group think that's fair. That's why I like them. I know a lot of people like smoke weed, and I don't think they should go to jail. And that resonates. It's relatable. And it is time for Wall Street to bail out Main Street. We, we gave them $700 billion. Let me ask you this, Marcus. We are going to have a uh, a primary here in South Carolina in a couple of weeks. Right. Who are you going to vote for? I am voting for... <laughs> what? Are you serious? You got to be freaking kidding me. What? Oh, jeez. That's just my... I mean, that's my choice. Sure. Yeah. My choice. It Listen. is. It is. But wow. Wow, Marcus. Wow. One of the things you talked about so much tonight is... Um, you know, helping do good things for other people. What else is is going on in your life? Uh, what's up with the the foundation? Yes, Tell sir. people about that. So uh, I started my foundation um, after my second injury. Mm-hmm. You know, sitting in the hospital bed, you got a lot of time to think. And what's the name of the foundation? It's the Marcus Lattimore Foundation. How can people find it on the internet? MarcusLattimoreFoundation.com. dot com. It's real simple. You type it in Google. I mean, go. Donate if you, if you want to. That's Donate. right. But um, the main mission, why I started, is to help injured athletes. I mean, simple as that. I'd been through a lot, and I know that feeling. I know the psychological side of it, uh, what you're going through mentally. And also, a lot of guys don't have insurance. And you need more rehabilitation sessions. Yeah. I've helped so many girls that play soccer that didn't have insurance. I mean, girls that girls that play soccer in the state of Georgia, they tear their ACL like every day. I got an email from a girl that plays soccer every day in Georgia from the ages of about 8 to 13. It, it's amazing. But wow. um, we also do leadership academies. We bring a bunch of high schools together in a designated location. It'll be in Charleston, for example. And we'll bring about 20, 25 high schools in that area together, teach them life skills. They're there. They get a school credit for it um, from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. They stay there. They hear different speakers. They do a lot of different things. So um, it's going well. It's going great. We do a lot of things in the community as well. We went down to Georgetown and helped some uh, families that got affected by the SC flood. Yeah. Um, and that was a big area where it happened. But, I mean, my, my main mission is to help injured athletes in any way, get their equipment, whatever they need. Marcus, thank you for doing that because people need uh, folks to help and and to show them the way forward. And you've got uh, tell us again the name of the uh, your new academy that's coming out that, that we're you're starting April first. It was tell folks to get about that again one more time. It's the Marcus Lattimore Sportsplex, thirty thousand square foot facility, and it's in Greenville, right? Uh, 
It's in Greenville County. It'll be in Greer, South Carolina. Okay. Yes, Good sir. Good to go. Well, folks, we're excited that, that Marcus was able to join us tonight. Um, it, it's been an honor and a pleasure to get to meet you, Marcus. Um, please ha- take, a, take a chance to go look at the Marcus Lattimore Foundation website. And for those of you in the upstate region, be sure to check out um, the facility once it opens here in April. And, and you know, Marcus, again, I'm just kind of reiterate what uh, Michael just said. It has been a pleasure to have you here tonight. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for over about five years and when you first came in recruiting and how consistent you are as an individual is, is it's a breath of fresh air. Um, it lets me know and it lets the world know that, you know, there are good people out here and who do who do things for the right reason and you're one of them. So you you make us feel that there's hope. Um, you are a great ambassador to South Carolina, and I'm proud to call you friend, um, but I'm more proud of the man that you are. And um, thank you for coming and sharing with this Sanity Podcast. Micah, this is my first time meeting you, and I can say that everything that I heard in the previous podcast, um, just genuine authenticity, it, it, it's true. And it, it's an honor to meet you. And Mo, I mean, you know, you know our relationship. The first game I played against Georgia, I'll never forget what you said to me. You ain't a freshman anymore. Turn it on. And that moments like that, you know, I scored as many touchdowns as anybody that's ever played in Williams Bryce. But I remember little things like that. I couldn't even tell you what game I broke the record in. I remember little things like that. And I cherish these relationships. This has been, I mean, hands down, the best time I've had talking to or engaging with different people. It's been awesome. So thank you guys for inviting me. Any way I can help in the future, please let me know. Great. We're definitely going to have you tweet in Facebook. Let them know. Let them know what's up. Glad to have you on the Insanity Podcast. Uh, Again, we're always encouraging conversation. We want people to talk about ideas and things that are important. And thanks to all of you who joined us again for another episode of the Insanity Podcast. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Boom. Got the game that I got the game that I got the game that I